This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello and welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and the show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Kyle Turner, a freelance writer based in Brooklyn, New York. And here we are reading a letter from a listener. can carry something of that magical birthday energy into our last letter um, because uh, I genuinely don't know what I think this letter writer should do. And so I'm sort of curious to find out what I say. Would you mind reading it? Because I found this one a little bit more straightforward. Oh, good. Okay. Well, then you read it and you kick us off. Okay. Subject, perplexed X. I divorced my kid's dad for many reasons, but the last straw was an affair with Mike. I have tried not to say negative things about their dad, and therefore he has framed the story. Anyway, he still hasn't come out, and the kids don't know. I'm tired of keeping his secret, but I don't think it's my place to tell. I talk about this freely with others. Before you suggest I speak with him, he will not speak to me. For me, this felt like relatively straightforward in the sense that it's not your not the letter writer's prerogative to tell other people about your ex's sexual identity, uh, much less. Um, your child, if it hasn't been cleared with the other partner. And I understand that as frustrating as it might be, the letter writer just may have to wait until they're on better terms with their ex to discuss talking about it with their children. Um, and I understand that this is a compl- this is complicated insofar as like wanting to be honest with one's children and that it ideally involves honesty from all parents involved. But as we don't know the age of the children and the communication appears to be like so far at an impasse. Um, It may just be something that has to be tabled for a little bit. Um, And I think nonetheless, and even though this sounds schmaltzy, making sure that children are being raised to be inclusive and loving and kind to all people is something that's both good for life and in general, um, but also may take the edge off whenever the conversation does come up. Um, Although I'm sort of curious about the part where the letter writer says that they speak about this freely with others and what the understanding and boundaries are regarding that and other people. So I recognize that other adults and one's children are relatively different playing fields in terms of discretion. But I am curious about like how the letter writer negotiates those boundaries and what they are and where they are. Yeah, I think that's really useful. I, I also, I think part of the reason that I felt at such a loss was like there's no sense of how old the kids are here. And that would, you know, maybe not be the only de- deciding factor in terms of how I would want to frame my answer. But it it does strike me as like, pretty important. So given that I don't know, I would say, I don't know if they're, if they're 14 or under, no, just like straightforwardly. No, if they are 15 or older, uh, maybe, but with a big asterisk after it. So that's my official ruling 14 and under. Absolutely not 15 and over asterisk. Um, I don't have a great sense of why I chose that exact age, but I'm just going with my gut there. Um, So I I guess I want to tease out what seems to me to be the sort of like underlying tension here that I think is like, and again, I'm reading between the lines. Maybe this is not the case, but it seems to me like part of what the letter writer is trying to, to gesture towards is like, you know, listen, I don't want to like frame this as like, I'm yelling at or outing a gay guy but I fucking hate my ex-husband and he cheated on me (laughs) on top of everything else. 
And I also resent feeling like I'm carrying a secret for him. And so I'm maybe potentially like feeling a little torn between like, you know, the thing that I want to share is that he had an affair and hurt my feelings and like wounded me and, and ended our marriage. But I worry that because it was with a guy, it's now incumbent upon me to keep it a secret, whereas I wouldn't in other circumstances. And so my hands are sort of tied in the name of decency. And that's keeping me from being able to vent my anger, to receive the support that I want and need, and to feel like I'm being heard. And I get that. And like in the battle between gay people and someone who feels like wounded and wants vindication. My internal allegiances are always with a wounded party, which is like <laughs> one of my own Fair. issues uh, and not necessarily how I need to direct my answer. I just want to say like, I really get that. I really would. I would imagine if I were in a position like that, I would feel a lot of frustration around like what I would like is to like have everyone tell me how sorry they feel for me. And I don't mean that like in a dismissive or a shallow way. Like I would genuinely want that. I would want a lot of support. I would want people to say like, what a bum, you know? Um, and to feel like I couldn't do that would feel incredibly frustrating. Right. So I totally, I, totally get that. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, not at all. I, I think that what I will say is that like, I understand there's also probably questions of like, you want to make sure that you're you know, children have at least like a general sense of like where you're at and what's going on. And you want to be able to communicate. This wasn't some like frivolous light decision that you made because you don't care about like, you know, your shared family home with your kids. And I think you also probably want and need a lot of support on the front of like, my ex is a fucking bum. And, you know, the sort of silver lining of this dark storm cloud at least is like, you're not going to get that from your children to begin with. So, Whatever right, right. like support you're going to need or like, again, just like validation or venting will need to come, I think, primarily from conversations with trusted friends who like you can also make it clear like I need to vent right now. This isn't necessarily like the only or the final thing I'll want to say about any of this. Is that OK? Um, and also hopefully a therapist because then, you know, the great thing about a therapist is you can say anything absent. I am going to harm myself or someone else as soon as the session is over. Um and you're not necessarily going to have to be like reminded of that or say like, this is the only way I'll ever feel about it. So I would really encourage you to focus on, you know, getting that out and getting the support that you want and need from people who aren't your children. Cause they're never going to be able to say with you, yeah, that guy's a piece of shit because that's their father. And they might decide he's a piece of shit for other reasons. People often do. Um, but you know, you cannot be the person who tells them that um, and you cannot look to them for support or commiseration of like, what a raw deal you got. And that's hard because they're your kids. But you know already, I think, that it would not benefit them or improve your relationship with them if you were to say, your dad's a really shitty guy. He really, really hurt me. Please join me in being super. I mean, again, like, they're also going to be able to cultivate their own relationship with him and they they may be able to eventually determine their own judgment on the nature of how your marriage ended. But, you know, I think you can communicate to the kids in an age appropriate way, some version of um, things were difficult in our relationship. And your father also had an affair. And that was when I decided to leave. You are allowed to, again, don't do that in like the heat of a moment or when you're frustrated with him or to just blurt it out to make sure you can like get your kids on your side. But yeah, you can communicate that he had an affair and that was why you ended things. Um, that's totally appropriate. Again, like don't, don't say that like off the cuff, you don't have to say it, but you certainly can. 
And mm-hmm. I think that would go yeah. a long way towards making sure that your kids at least knew the gist, right? Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought out that uh, subtext in terms of the resentment, because I think a lot of children of divorce have experiences of being used as pawns by either parent, and that's a very uncomfortable situation. I was not so much used as a pawn, but like my parents were were not divorced. They were separated, but living in the same house. My mother lived in like the main floor and my father lived down in the basement, which had been refurbished as an apartment. And so there was this like very weird um, back and forth, upstairs, downstairs thing going on. But anyways, that's not fun. Don't do that to your kids. Um, also, even if you can communicate that uh, your partner hurt you, or your ex hurt you, um, and that they had an affair. I don't think necessarily that, without any more context or information, I don't know if it's necessarily fair to say that because he had an affair with another man that he is necessarily gay. Like, there are, there are lots of things that could be going on there. And so if part of the question and burden is whether you're outing someone, thinking, I think framing it as maybe you don't necessarily have all the information there um, could be an incentive to not frame it in that way to the children. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's useful as well. Um, and again, like your your goal here should be give the kids enough information that they're not needlessly and painfully speculating what happened, um, but not so much information that they are like as up to date as you are. They don't need that much information and it it shouldn't be your hope that they will eventually like be on your side and present him. And I say that like, by the way, if I were in your position, I would also, a big part of me would be like, I totally want the kids to be on my side. I think that's a human impulse. Um, I think it's totally possible to have that impulse and also realize like that can't be what dictates my behavior. So I don't mean to like impugn your motives or if you don't feel that way, that's also fine. But if you did, that would be very understandable and very human. So again, I, you know, I don't want to make too many assumptions here, but that bit about I speak about this freely with others you know, again, my guess is most of your friends that you've been talking about this with don't like hang out with your kids after school and trade gossip. But I'm also just curious, like if these are friends who maybe have kids in a similar age as your kids and maybe the kids sometimes hang out if they're part of the same school social circles, the same, you know, church or synagogue or temple services. Like, is this the kind of thing where like, plausibly it's going to get out regardless. And there's like a decent chance that your kids are going to hear about this indirectly. Because if that's, you know, a possibility, you should be prepared for that. You should think about how will I handle that? How will that possibly make getting a divorce more difficult? Might that potentially uh, spur my ex into reestablishing contact in a, in a negative way? And, you know, if so, how will I seek therapeutic, legal, personal advice? Um, I would just say be ready for that outcome. If you've been talking about this freely with a lot of other people, I I guess my my tendency is always like if you're talking about it with other people, it's safe to assume that at least one of them is talking about it with other people too. And once it gets past Mm -hmm. that, you know, like if, if it gets past that first initial circle of people who have personal allegiance to you, then once it gets you know removed by one, there's no sense of like, oh, I should try to keep this you know 
on the hush for my friend's behalf. It's just like some person I barely know. There's an interesting piece of gossip about them. I don't have a dog in this fight. So like, I'm going to go tell lots of people if I want. Like again, and that's not that everyone is going to do that, but all it takes is one. And once a, once a something that you're kind of hoping to keep secret breaks containment like that, people are going to be less interested in keeping it a secret the further it gets away from you. Mm-hmm. And I think that may also impact um, not only like the the circle of adults that may get in contact with that information, but also the circle of children or however old these these children are. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, like in terms of like, I I don't say any of this because I want to say to the letter writer, when you say I've talked about this freely with others, I bet what that means is you've just called everyone in your contact list and vented without any consideration for, you know, anybody else. Like, I don't want to assume that you've been overstepping any of your bounds. You might just mean like, I have some close friends that I've talked about this freely with, which would be totally appropriate. So, I guess that I would just want to remind this letter writer that I think so far you have done a good thing in not outing your ex to either your kids or, um, you know, people outside of the sort of like immediate social circle who might have also just like picked up on the fact that you guys are divorcing. You know, it's not like you brought brand new information that you got by like going through his email, um, you know. You presumably either he presumably told you or you found out and that hurt and upset you and you wanted to be able to talk about it as it affected you, which is reasonable. So mm-hmm. I guess I guess I say all that just to sort of stress there is a balance between not spontaneously or unnecessarily or maliciously outing him as a way to sort of try to get your own back. But mm-hmm. neither is it like it is now my responsibility to make sure that no one ever finds out. That's I think a a burden too high to place on yourself. So, mm-hmm. you know, this also, this affair also did affect you. That is part of your life. You are entitled to discuss that in certain circumstances with trusted friends. That's not wrong. Um, and beyond that, like, it's difficult to stay in the closet for a really long time, especially if you're also dating other men, you know, like that's just, um, I, I don't know what to tell it. Like, to your, to your ex-husband, I would just be like, yeah, that's pretty difficult. You, you're probably not going to be able to pull that off forever. Right. Doesn't right. mean he's necessarily going to come out. It just means that like what he's been trying to do is pretty difficult and it gets more difficult when, you know, you have an affair and your partner finds out and leaves you like that shit might be sailing. So yeah. I, I just say that not to be like, who cares, you know, call everyone you've ever met and tell them. It just means more like it might get out. It might already be out. Mm-hmm. And if, maintaining like a healthy relationship with your children hoping that they maintain like a even if you even if there's like a lot of resentment towards the ex i would hope that maintaining a relatively healthy relationship with their father is also like a priority in this yeah i mean i don't know to what degree that's possible because he's not talking to her right so you know it might be that like even amicable is like a bridge too far and the best you can hope for is like that your lawyer and his lawyer speak nicely to each other. Um, <laughs> that might be it. Like your goal is like, uh, I, I want to like not write him an angry email at one in the morning where I tell him what a jerk he was. My goal is to like not cause additional harm and to abide by whatever divorce and custody agreement we are able to come up with. Those would be good and reasonable goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe to tack on to that, I do not want to uh, allow myself to vent to my children. Right, um, right, right. Those would be, I think, good and manageable goals. You might never even be like 
frostily polite to one another. You might just never speak again and you might hate his guts. But really thinking about like, how do I communicate the essential information and let the kids also know that like, I'm getting the support I need. I'm doing okay. They don't have to worry about like reassuring me or fixing me or making me feel better because that would be too much pressure to put on the kids. Yeah, that'd be Um, a bit of parentification. mm -hmm. And then, you know, like, yes, you know, he had an affair and that hurt me, but I also understand that he is your father and relationships are complicated. And so I don't want to, you know, please don't pressure me for any more details or like don't ask me for any more details. But if you do have like other questions about what this means for you or if you're having a tough time, like, you know, we can go see a family therapist if that's something you're interested in. You don't, you know, like you don't have to, but we can. I I think that would be it. That'd be the sort of like final suggestions or limits that I would have here. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. Yeah. And I'm sorry, it is a difficult road to walk when it's both like, I, on the one hand, feel like angry and justified in my anger. And I know that I could hurt my terrible ex further by outing him, which is tempting, even though it goes against my values. That's hard on its own. And then on the other side, I'm angry at somebody who hurt me. And if he had cheated on me with a woman, I believe that most people would respond with, I'm so sorry, you have been hurt here is some sympathy, here is some support. But Mm -hmm. because I don't want to out him, I'm not able to access that. And so I also feel cheated of something after having been cheated on. Um, And that's, you know, those are both two difficult situations and you're in both of them at the same time. And I'm sorry. I do still think it's important and necessary to walk that line. Um, But I also just really get like, that's a tough place to be in. One of the few pleasures of being cheated on is that you can, you know, go full country song and just, you know, tell people and say, doesn't that suck? And they say, yes, that sucks. What a jerk. And, you know, you're in a position where you don't get to do the country song, um, but you still can get help and support. Yeah, this this letter did um, sort of pop the little like queer bubble because I do not think about straight people that often. Just like, oh, this is an interesting situation. Yeah, you know, I mean, there, there's so many different, you know, I, I think I'm probably inclined to uh, share your sense of like, I think it can be a good thing when relationships are set up along the lines of like, if someone is, you know, attracted to or into somebody else that shouldn't come as like a shock or a horrifying challenge, whether or not people like are in open relationships or not. But like that fundamental right. premise aside, I don't think that there's anything like weird or wrong about feeling deeply hurt that your partner right. in a monogamous relationship had an affair. So it's 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 like right. Totally. You know. But the t- the attention that you bring up be- uh, in terms of being hurt that um your ex cheated on you but also recognizing that it's not your that you're being denied a certain level of catharsis mm-hmm. that was very interesting to me. Yeah, I mean I think of it a little bit too in the context of that second letter like when there are like kind of predetermined or prefigured social roles for people in a relationship, especially when that relationship is informed by heterosexuality or supposed to be informed by heterosexuality, even the roles that are, you know, supposedly in the sort of like downbeat position have with them their consolations. So sometimes the challenge for like, let's say a woman who was previously understood to be straight and cis, whose partner transitions, there can be a challenge of like, but my status in this relationship was that I was the woman. 
And now I'm being asked to seed some of those, or I feel like I'm being asked to seed some of those because I felt like they were my exclusive possessions. And now I'm realizing that something that used to go unsaid now requires stating. And when I have to say it out loud, it doesn't line up with perhaps some of my values or some of my hopes. And I don't know what to do with that, but I feel aggrieved and I feel territorial. And that sort of unspoken tension can get really thorny really fast. And it's not unlike this one where not like that somebody would seek out or desire to have their husband cheat on them. But within that position, there's at least a certain kind of like legible and and valuable sometimes role of like the hurt woman who finds dignity um, or who finds like renewed community with other women as they support her in a sort of first wives club moment. And to be barred in some way from accessing that role can feel like a weird sense of like, I can't believe I'm being cheated out of the role of the cheated on wife, which was not something that I originally sought out, but I am now realizing actually carries with it certain keys to a, a, a kingdom that I now, I don't have the keys to. And that's a very strange, you know, anytime that you occupy a social script that you didn't think existed and then you realize it does, uh, is, is really strange and really odd. And that's, that's just me on being a housekeeper and or a country singer and or <laughs> Katie Lang explained this all better in the song Miss Chatelaine, which is how we bring it back full circle to lesbians hold all the answers. Yes. They carry all the keys. It's a great song. Yes. We also have an update uh, from the transference letter from a few episodes back, and uh, I'll just read it now. Thank you so much for taking time to answer my letter. I think you were actually more accurate with your guesses than the guests. It feels like a very long time ago that I wrote this. I had half-heartedly considered looking up the therapist that my awesome former therapist recommended, but I really do think that I would fall in love with him and spend lots of time talking about former therapists. They know each other, and I think they're still friends, so I've continued to leave the idea of therapy alone. I think support groups are no-go for me, and I have a hard time connecting with friends anyway. I noticed that I was really snapping at work and being too harsh. I looked up my EAP benefits with the hope of getting a few telephone counseling appointments. I was set up with a life coach who's pretty direct. We had two appointments. We stayed in the present. And I've noticed that I feel a weight coming off me at work. I feel as though I've been successful in focusing on the people that I'm helping and less caught up in the stress at work. I can make up to six more appointments, but I don't feel the need to right now. I definitely did talk about transference with my old therapist. Several years later, I'm still kind of floored about how little I learned about transference in my master's program. First, I noticed family-like feelings. They later turned into romantic feelings. We discussed them in all their embarrassing splendor. After that was out on the table, it felt like such a relief to be able to discuss it, and it really wasn't that bad. I made an effort to make my original submission brief, so I didn't even mention that I'm very happily married. I married my first boyfriend, who I met at age 17. And uh, I was really floored to have these incredible feelings about my old therapist with kind blue eyes, but terrible choices in fashion. Really, he can't even match his clothes, but I fell in love anyway. I told him once that I think I will carry a torch for him for the rest of my life, but it doesn't hurt as bad. And he gave me so many, many gifts. Because of this therapy relationship, I was able to reconcile with my mother. I had prayed for years to stop being so bitter, but I never thought to be so bold as to ask God to help me love her. And now I do. 
if that were the only thing that my former therapist had given me, I would owe him so much, but there is even more. So I try to show my gratitude to him and to God by living out the things that he taught me. Thank you for being so caring. This was, you know, just a lovely and remarkable update to get. I would love to get such, um, you know, detailed and, and you know, emotionally resonant uh, updates from all of my letter writers. I'm really grateful when one like this comes in. And I'm just really struck by the clarity and lack of shame that this letter writer has about knowing her own feelings. Um, and I think that that's part of what's seemingly served you really well, letter writer. You didn't feel like this has to be an indictment of my marriage. If I have these strong feelings for my therapist, it must mean that I've done something horribly wrong or that something is horribly wrong in my primary relationship, or I've got to do everything I can to hide or downplay or ignore these feelings. Um, but you were able to discuss them honestly and openly. You were able to realize that identifying them and looking squarely at them was not the same thing as saying, these will now dictate all of my future choices. Um, and you were able to hold uh, those feelings, um, you know, and, and say, this is something that I feel. I think there's a good chance that I will feel some version of this for the rest of my life. And I also know that I am not going to um, let this be the only true thing that I can look at. Um, so I'm so glad that you were able to discuss this openly with your therapist. I'm glad that you were able to sort of realize that some of the other suggestions I had offered weren't going to serve you. And I'm glad that you were able to, at least for now, solve your problem at work, which was just sort of like, I want to see a coach. I want to handle this specific issue. I don't want to get into a long-term therapeutic relationship with anyone else right now. But, um, you know, through therapy, I was able to experience new forms of love for my mother, which I didn't think was possible. That's just fabulous. So um, thank you. Congratulations. I wish you all of the best. Um, and I'm so, so glad that um, you were able to share this update with us. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations with the guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form, or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening.